This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in New Mexico discussing the sudden disappearance of a teenage girl. Then we'll talk about a family murdered on a ranch. Buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the land of enchantment. Here we go again. Another heartbreaking case of a child, young adult, a person who has disappeared, seemingly into thin air. Each year, the FBI compiles data from police agencies across the nation and releases it to the public. New Mexico's kidnapping and abduction rate was the highest in the nation as of October of 2022. Fortunately, 99% of juveniles who go missing are found alive. But unfortunately, this isn't one of those cases. The family in this one would get no answers and find the only evidence of their child being alive was a horrifying Polaroid. Tuesday, September the 20th, 1988, Bellin, New Mexico. Tara Calico is a 19-year-old sophomore at the University of New Mexico. She's very physically active and goes out for one of her daily bike rides around 9 a.m., where she would ride 17 miles out, turn around, and ride 17 miles back. That's a long bike ride. That is an extremely long bike ride, and she did it every single morning. Oof. So she'd planned on meeting her boyfriend, who was her high school sweetheart, around noon to play some tennis, and then she had class at 4 p.m. She told her mom, if I'm not back by noon, come and pick me up. She was already running late, so she didn't want to be late for tennis. So she's like, mm-hmm. if I, you know, if I'm just riding too slow or whatever, I'm not home. Come get me. To play tennis after that? I wish I was that athletic. So Tara's mom typically rode with her, but she almost got hit by a car Ugh. while riding last. So she's kind of spooked and she didn't want to go. So she stayed home and Tara went by herself. So at 12.05... She was not back, and her mom headed out the door to look for her, pick her up, bring her back to the house so she could go meet her boyfriend. She drove all the way out to where Tara would have turned around to come back and saw nothing. She was nowhere to be found, which had to have been terrifying as her mother. Yeah. So this area that she rode, it's like she kind of went through a couple little towns, and then it would be kind of desolate just two lane road and then another little town and she turn around and come back. So I'm just trying to, Mm -hmm. this is where she's riding. It's not like she's riding through downtown. Right. It's like little town, little town, nothing, little town. So she thinks that maybe she missed her somehow and she turns around and goes home. She's not there. So she calls Tara's boyfriend. Have you seen her? Maybe he came and picked her up. When he said no, she calls the police. So it's a very small town, very little crime. Clearly something has happened to her. It's not normal. Tara was a very good girl. She made good grades, very active, like I said. She'd never been in trouble. So she didn't run away. You know what I'm saying? She's not out getting into trouble somewhere, smoking cigarettes behind a gas Mm -hmm. station. This is not her. So search parties are formed. It's starting to get dark. They walk through fields. They drive down roads. They're yelling for her. About two miles south of where she was riding her bike, someone saw some tire tracks, some bike marks in the dirt Mm -hmm. road, like tire tread, like a bike. Yeah. And a broken yellow Walkman piece and a cassette tape. This was her stuff. Mom confirmed this is her stuff. They're talking to people on the streets. Have you seen her? This is what she looks like. This is the way she goes. It's across, like I said, three different counties. 
Some of it was busy. Some of it wasn't. Witnesses came forward and said, we did see her riding the bike. It was a pink bike. And a couple of them said, we saw a Ford truck following behind her going around 10 miles an hour. This is like a 50 oh. mile an hour zone. So it, clearly they were following her. Yeah. Like it wasn't a hit and run. But not like he was waiting to go around her. He just Ugh. stayed behind her. Some people thought maybe it's her dad. Yeah. Maybe it's somebody that knows her that's kind of riding along to mm-hmm. make sure that she's safe. That would be freaky. Oh my God. I'd be waving my arm like, get around me. What are you doing? Right. Or I would just probably stop. Like, well, you got to wonder if she even sensed it. She's got a Walkman in. Oh, that's true. She's just tooling along, listening yeah, to her that's music. that's a good point. But, you know, sometimes you can feel yeah. like you get that sense where you, mm-hmm. which makes this even creepier. And it's not like she would have been constantly turning her head. Did they turn off yet? Maybe they're right. turning off. That's why they're driving Maybe slow. Maybe I need to move out of the way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who, who knows? So they searched with horses, dogs, the ROTC students got involved. All resources are used. Police do a sketch of the man who was driving the truck, according to the witnesses. Wow. No one comes forward. There are several hundred people in this search party, and they're scouring everywhere, everything. Nothing is found other than that broken Walkman. Hmm. So mom is on the news, and she's doing anything to, you know, keep this case in the news so it doesn't, you know how it is. People forget it dies down. It loses its momentum. Another thing happens. Another thing happens. Nine months later, a Polaroid is found face down in a parking lot at a Florida convenience store 1,500 miles away. It's a picture of a young lady and a little boy tied up with duct tape over their mouths. And it appears that they are laying in the back of a van. There are... Pillows and blankets, and Uh, it just, it looks... What kind of... Oh, could you imagine finding a Polaroid like that? Uh, no. That's very disturbing. I'm showing, pulling up the Polaroid and showing like... Makes me wonder if it was left on purpose or accident. Oh my gosh, I've seen... Have you never, I was going to say, have you never seen that? Oh my gosh, yes, I have seen that photo. Oh my... If I... I'd freak out. So some, I don't even know. Some woman is leaving the we'll gas station. We'll post this on our Instagram, yeah. by the way. So she goes into the gas station. There's like a van parked there, like a worker van, Ugh. like a paint van or whatever. She goes in, comes out. Van is gone. Polaroid's laying in the floor, on the ground. She picks it up, sees what it is immediately to the police department. Yes, good. This is where I found it. This is what, you know, blah, blah, blah. So... I'm sure you guys have seen this photo. Yeah, and I'm like, where I, have I seen it right. before? I saw it a long time ago, but I never really knew the story of who they thought this young girl was. It's very haunting. A brief description of this is a little boy and a young girl tied up with duct tape over their mouths. They're lying on some sheets in what appears to be the back of a van. Girl is wearing a gray t-shirt and shorts, and they both look terrified. It's so disturbing. It's very haunting is the only thing I can use to describe it. So woman takes it to the police immediately. Picture goes public because they want to try to find out who these two kids are. Yeah. They're clearly in danger. America's Most Wanted, Unsolved Mysteries, Oprah, Everyone is showing this photo. The FBI comes down to Florida and they take over the investigation. Tips are coming in all over the United States, which sometimes causes more harm than good. Mm -hmm. Because if you're chasing down every single lead from some busybody at the Piggly Wiggly, you're taking up a lot of manpower and resources. Mm -hmm. But... If you don't, you may miss out on the one tip that could yeah. lead. You have to go through a Yeah, lot. yeah. There was also a book found with a phone number, but no one was able to find out what the phone number was. It was just a bunch of numbers, and they tried every different way, you know, jumbled the numbers, and they just, they couldn't, nothing happened. They couldn't figure it out. So a friend of Tara's family sees 
one of these shows, Unsolved Mysteries or Oprah or whatever, a current affair or something. Maybe that's what I saw it on, Unsolved Mysteries. And this woman calls Tara's mother and is like, oh my God, this girl from this Polaroid looks like Tara. So Tara's family 100% believe this girl is their daughter. There is a book laying beside the girl in the picture. You have to. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a book um, that happened to be Tara's favorite book by B.C. Andrews, which just solidified to her parents that this is her. This is her. This has to be her. Oh, my gosh. So another family comes forward and they think the little boy is their nine-year-old son. Michael Henley. Nine. Now, Max is nine, which makes me want to throw up. He's wearing a very specific shirt with Uh a a little dog graphic on it. I wonder if that was, they changed him or, well, and her too. Like, I can't make out what's on her shirt. That's not what either of them were wearing when they disappeared. Okay. So it's probably just clothes. But but I think that was nine months later they found this Polaroid. Yeah. They probably grabbed stuff at a thrift store. So their nine-year-old son, Michael, disappeared while camping with his dad in New Mexico two months before Tara disappeared. The dad and uncle were putting up a tent and, you know, fiddling around on the campsite, and Michael just vanished. They searched and searched and searched, but nothing was ever found. Mm. So they're convinced that this boy is their son, Michael. But a year later... Michael's body was found in the New Mexico desert. Oh, my gosh. And they said he died from exposure. Oh, no. There was a snowstorm a few days after he disappeared, and he essentially froze to death. Oh, my gosh. Same age as Max. Could you imagine Max just being lost in the woods? No. Oh, it makes me want to just throw up. This poor family, I mean... There really isn't a best case scenario here. Either your child is found dead. God, honestly, like, or maybe with a sex trafficker. I don't and even know. And they're being tortured or starved or who knows what, because clearly they're not having fun if they're oh tied God. up and no. duct taped in the back. It's just awful. Mm-mm. And when there's two of them, it's, oh God. So no one else came forward about no. who that boy could be? Nope. So now everyone is questioning if this girl is really. Tara. They have three different people look at this photo. They bring in Scotland Yard, the FBI, and the Los Alamos National Laboratory. They all look at the photo. The FBI is completely indifferent. They're like, we don't know. I will say I'm looking at a photo of her and I don't know her, obviously, but there are differences in her face, but they could have done that on purpose. Like in the abduction photo the girl has very straight almost like brooke shields type eyebrows Eyebrows. and then in her school photos she has an obvious curve to them but she does kind of have that serious eye look Mm -hmm. but gosh it it is kind of hard to tell well the fbi doesn't know scotland yard says yes this is her and the los alamos national laboratory says no it's definitely not her Man. So it's been over 30 years since Tara went missing, and the FBI is still working on this case. Holy crap. There are a few suspects, quote unquote. One was a group of four hunters. They had pulled over when Tara had rode by where they were parked. They saw her. They saw the truck following her, and they assumed it was someone that she knew and didn't think too much about it until she disappeared, and police did take their statements. The police had them hypnotized to see if they could get more information out of them, but nothing came out while they were under hypnosis. Next is a guy named Ishmael De La Rosa, and he was heading heading to an appointment the morning that she went missing. He said he was almost late because he was stuck behind the truck that was following Tara. He eventually passed it. He looked at the driver and said he had red hair and a scar over his left eye, and he looked drunk. He thought the same thing. Maybe it's her dad, but he was looking at her kind of like a creeper, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So the FBI knows that something very sinister happened 
She was definitely abducted. According to the rumor mill in this small town, maybe it was some boys riding along behind her and flirting, and they accidentally hit her. Didn't want to tell anybody, so they killed her, threw her bike into a junkyard, and disposed of her in a pond somewhere. Some people think that these boys' families helped them cover it all up because they were all sons of pretty predominant people in the community. That's possible. And they think that they know exactly where she's buried. There are people who know what happened to her, and some Mm -hmm. of the locals and some of those who worked the case at the time of her disappearance all agree with this. In 2013, a cold case task force reopened it because a former deputy claimed A man named Harry Brown made a confession on his deathbed that Tara's former classmate, Lawrence Romero Jr., who was this guy's neighbor, had shown him a basement under his house where there was a shallow grave covered by a tarp. He said Romero Jr. confessed that he and three other classmates had killed her. They knew her from when she had dated one of their friends, but he after all this, filled the basement with concrete. His father was the sheriff at the time of Mm. all this happening and allegedly covered up the crime. There was a statement made by police back in June of this year that they had enough evidence to turn over to prosecution, but no suspects have been named and the documents are sealed. So I'm not sure exactly what all that was about. But there is a $20,000 reward for any information on her disappearance or whereabouts. So if you have any information, you can call the FBI at 505-889-1300 or the Valencia County Sheriff's Office at 505-866-2400. So yeah, it's still unsolved. They don't know if that picture was her Mom says it was, there's a scar on her leg. Oh, I you can see on the picture. If you, I mean, you have to look. Um, Mom says she got that in a car accident, and it's the same scar in the same spot. But this Polaroid is one of the most horrible things I've seen. It is. It's, oh. And it's strange how it, it both looks like her and doesn't look like her. Right, right. You would think. Someone would be very recognizable, but... I mean, I don't know if it's her or not. Gosh, I can't it, tell. And her her eyes are dark, so you can't really tell. Her parents are both deceased now. Oh, my gosh. Which is so sad that they just... They wanted to believe so much that it was her. Yeah. Obviously, we'll post this on our socials, but you can also Google it. It's just the Tara Calico Polaroid. Mm-hmm. Um, Regardless if this is her or not, her her remains need to be found. I mean, or she needs to be found, you know. For sure. Someone knows something. This and this girl, if they're different people, oh my gosh. These children belong to somebody. How can you just not fucking know? Why was it in a parking lot? That's so it's sinister like a, to fell me. out of a vehicle. Like maybe that they van just, that was parked uh, beside where she, the lady walked in. Yeah, and you can see the handle of the, the mm-hmm. vehicle. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This family just needs answers. She had two sisters, two brothers, and they deserve some kind of closure. I cannot imagine. That's the thing. I've never luckily been in this experience. Oh, my God. But not knowing, to me, seems like it could be worse than knowing. No, for sure. Some cases, obviously, are absolutely horrific and, you know, but... A missing child. You, you have a brother. Your life is over. Could you imagine just not knowing where your brother is? That would just be... Oh, my God. I can't even. I've got two sisters. <sighs> I couldn't imagine if I just didn't. She just, my sister just fucking disappeared. It's so strange when that happens. Because <sighs> my mind goes to the worst of... Well, yeah. Trafficking, which is... Uh, ugh. Horrible. It's like my biggest fear. Horrible. I get sucked into cases like this. I'm going to have to spiral. So I'm guesstimating... She was a teenager in She was 19. 19. She was 19 in 1988. So if it were boys, they would be in their mid to late 50s mm-hmm. from their school, likely. Yeah. So they're, if that would be the case, they're probably at least one of them is still alive. I hate when people keep secrets to their grave. Oh, I know. At least, I don't know. Confess, write a note, and hide it in your floorboard. Right. 
or if, if anything else. I don't know. That's so sad. It's terrible. Man. Pictures like this. Ugh. Oh, it just makes me want to throw up. These are children. Ugh. I mean, it's just. That mm-hmm. is. Well, mm-hmm. Let's take a quick break. So some cases we discuss are pretty clear cut, but this one is not so much. 14-year-old Cody Posey lived with his blended family in Hondo, New Mexico, on the Chavez Canyon Ranch. So the ranch was owned by an acclaimed journalist and news anchor, Sam Donaldson. Oh. You know him? I have seen his, <laughs> seen his work. Oh, okay. Cody's dad, Paul Posey, ran the ranch. Cody lived with his dad, Paul, who was 34 years old, which I'm like, man, a 14-year-old with a 34-year-old. Oh I'm God, 34. I'm, I'm and doing I'm, math. I'm having my first child. I'm like, oh, my God. His stepmom, Tryon, who was 44, and his stepsister, Mara Lee. Stepmom's 44? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. So 14, 34, 44, and 13. So she was just a year younger than him. And you know how it goes to everyone on the outside. The family seemed happy and perfect, but even the happiest families have their dark secrets. Paul and his first wife divorced when Cody was a toddler. Originally, he spent most of his time living with his mom, but in 1994, she joined the Navy. So four-year-old Cody was sent back to live with Paul, and by this time, he was remarried to his second wife, Sandy. Sandy loved Cody and took care of him like he was her own son. She did have another role in his life, though. She often had to keep Paul from hitting him. Oh, no. And thank God she did. You hear of a lot of bad stepmoms out there. She was Cody's advocate. Sandy witnessed Paul yanking Cody off the top bed bunk onto the floor to wake him up. Like, oh grabbing him and pulling him to the ground. How many feet is that? At least, Lacey. like, five for a young kid. Oh, my God. That makes me sick in my stomach. Once she came home from work and saw Paul beating him with a board, she and Paul were at odds on his parenting, and she would constantly have to tell Paul that it was enough. Once, when Cody was seven, his mom was home on leave and visited him. She saw bruises on him and called the police. There was a hospital examination and photos were taken of the bruises, but no charges were ever filed. Mm. Just a couple of years later, Paul and Sandy had divorced, and Paul had moved on to his third wife, Tryon. Cody felt alienated from them all, but soon enough, his mom would retire from the Navy. In the year 2000, Paul gave up parental rights, and 10-year-old Cody went to live with his mother. 10. He was 10 years old at this time, yeah. All of this shit happened to this baby. Before age 10, yeah. Pulling him off of a bed. God bless. He's... This is why we don't cover kid shit. I know. (laughs) And this part is so awful. So they were going to move to Washington State, start a new life. His mom had a new guy in her life. It was just going to be a brand new thing, you know. Well, three months after his mom got custody of him. They were all three in a car accident. Shut up. Yeah. Cody's mom was thrown into the back seat and died in Cody's arms. <sighs> he was 10 years old. I know. I'm sorry. So that meant he had to return to life with his father, who had just signed away parental rights. But the way he did it, instead of signing it, he typed it, and so it didn't make it valid anyway. So that didn't even go through. So technically, he still had parental rights. So that's why there was no custody thing with her side of the family. So the day of Cody's mother's funeral, his cousin Sherry witnessed Cody begging not to be returned to his father. It was a spectacle. Like he was sobbing, hysterical. Do not make me go back to my dad's. I <laughs> Ashley's crying. It's awful. I know. So, a year later, Paul was hired to care for the Donaldson Ranch. So, they all moved on to the property, the whole blended family. And Sam Donaldson, the guy that owned it, said, You would say they were the all-American family. Paul Posey, hardworking. His wife, also hardworking and a delight to be around. The two children helped them. Her daughter, the sparkler, about 13, and Cody, quiet, always respectful to us. 
and helped his dad out in the barnyard. So he makes it sound like just such a nice little family. And the family did take care of the ranch as years passed. Then, during the July 4th holiday weekend in 2004, Sam Donaldson returned to the ranch. He couldn't find Paul anywhere. So he went over to the manager's house, which is where they lived. He walked up to the stoop and saw a large red blood stain and a pair of glasses smashed on the porch beside a hat. Sam walked inside the home and saw massive blood stains where people had obviously been dragged across the floor. Oh my god. He didn't see bodies. He called the sheriff's department after he saw this at 5 p.m. and police came and searched the house. Sheriff Tom Sullivan said after they looked through the house, they decided to follow some tracks left behind from a backhoe. They went away from the house, down some bluffs, and to an area where there was a compost pile. There were a lot of flies buzzing around one spot in particular, and this is July in New Mexico, and it was already over 100 degrees, and this is a compost pile. So they walked up to the pile, grabbed a stick, and started moving some of the dirt around, and then they saw a belt attached to a pair of Levi's and a shirt. So deputies uncovered three partially decomposed bodies. They had decomposed quickly because of the heat. Paul Posey, Tryone, and Merrilee. Cody's body was not found, and he was nowhere to be found on the property at all. How old would he have been now? Fourteen. Fourteen. Mm-hmm. So Cody was located down the road playing basketball with a couple of his friends. So the police took him in for questioning. Of course, he's the only survivor. At first, he denied any involvement. He insisted that the last time he saw his family was on the morning of the 5th. He said he took off after a fight with his dad over cleaning out the corrals. The police pressed him on this just a little bit, and he confessed to everything. Cody's friend's uncle and the Posey's ranch hand Eli Salcedo were present during this, during the questioning, and the interrogation, in their opinion, was concerning. Eli asked why a lawyer wasn't present because Cody's 14 years old, Uh he has no parents right now, and they're questioning him. There's no lawyer. For murder. Yes. And the police just told him, he's not being interrogated. We're just, you know, asking him some questions. No, that's interrogation. Which, even if a kid is guilty or not guilty in this situation, that sucks because they're 14. They literally don't know any better. They don't have anyone there to advocate for them. So then, the officers took Cody to a safe house, which is a room for interviewing children. Again, no lawyer or anything. Don't love this. I know. A male and a female officer began questioning him further on the murders. And he confessed that after the fight with his father, he retrieved a gun from his stepsister's saddlebag and returned home with the intent to kill his dad. According to Cody, the fight was not just over cleaning the corrals. He said his stepmother and father both abused him together ever since they got married in 1999. Like his dad had always abused him, his stepmom joined in on it. He said that. The night before the murder, they attempted to force him to have sex with his stepmother. Jesus Christ. Like his stepmom and dad were trying to do this, and he refused. Cody said after he refused, his father burned him with a welding iron. He also told police he was psychologically abused every day and was forced to work long hours on the ranch without food, water, or rest. He said he was kicked, punched, slapped, and smacked around by his dad every day. He said once he was woken up with an electric cattle prod. He also alleged he was whipped on the back with a lasso, was dragged behind a horse, and was smacked on the back of his hand with the pointy end of a hay hook, which are big and sharp. And he said his stepmom participated in his mental and physical abuse And then his stepsister was encouraged to tattle on him and would be rewarded when he screwed up and she had tattled. So I believe every single thing that he says. And this sucks because the stepsister was raised this way. Yeah. It's 
He said that his father trying to force him into his incest fantasies was his last straw. Like what made him finally snap. That's disgusting. So he first shot his stepmom while she was home reading a book. And then he sat in wait for Paul to arrive. He shot Paul as he was entering the home. And his stepsister happened to walk in right after Paul. So Cody said he had to shoot her so she wouldn't tell anyone. He also admitted he was envious of her intelligence and was also jealous of the positive attention she got from his dad. After the killings, he said he changed his clothes and left a note that said, Sorry, coppers, I needed the kid to do the dirty work. I guess to throw them off. Then he turned off the water and electricity to avoid waste and left the ranch. Yeah. So, like I said, this isn't a very clear-cut case because... It's awful. So in January of 2006, at the age of 16, Cody Posey finally stood trial for the murders of his father, stepmom, and stepsister. And he was being charged as a youthful offender. So this basically gave the judge discretion of sentencing him as a juvenile or, or an, adult. an adult. So the jury could make their decision, and then after the fact, the judge would say he's an adult or he's a child. So he solely had that decision to himself, which is kind of wild. I don't know how it is in other states, really. So during his trial, he wasn't trying to say he was innocent. He wasn't trying to say it was a mental issue. He was just basically trying to say, I did it, but this is why I did it. Alleged abuse is what the defense grabbed a hold of. So Cody had claimed all of these terrible things, but the thing is, is any of it even true, you know? I believe him from what everyone else has seen yeah, and and has came forward and said that they For me, witnessed. the stepmom, the second stepmom that cared for him, yeah. to me that's, she lived with him in his home and saw his everyday life, so. I believe him. Yeah. Well, there were actually several witnesses who gave testimonies corroborating the claims of abuse. So, of course, like I said, his former stepmom, Sandy, testified that she had to protect Cody from his father during their five-year marriage. She also claimed that she saw Paul surfing porn on the internet and that he had an incest porn fetish. See, and she... That's so... Like, and years have passed since... But it stuck out to her because yeah, it's that's disgusting. very unusual. Yeah. Multiple ranch hands who worked under Paul also testified to the abuse Cody had received. One ranch hand, Isabel Vasquez, testified about how once he had witnessed Paul holding a hay hook and threatening to cut off his son's balls if he stopped the clutch while driving the ranch pickup truck. Just the way he talks to his son, very off-putting to his ranch hands. Cowboy W. Slim Britton, there's cowboys on this ranch, you know. Well, he worked on the ranch. He said he witnessed Paul scratch his son with a hay hook as he attempted to load bales of hay on a truck. Other cowboys said they saw Paul whip Cody on the back and chest with one of the ropes. And they were talking about, like, this hurts. Yeah. It's, it's not just a... Floss what? Yeah, it's, it's very painful. The wife of another ranch hand said she remembered seeing burn marks from what looked like cigarettes on Cody's arms. This could have been the welding thing. We're, I'm not sure if it was cigarettes or not, but she was on the ranch a lot because her husband only spoke Spanish, so she was there to help him translate. She said Paul was violent when he would get mad. She remembers telling her husband once, I feel like something's going to happen to that family. Either Cody's going to kill Paul or Paul's going to kill Cody. She said that four months before the murders. Cody also took the stand in his own defense and spent two days testifying about the abuse. God bless. When he spoke of his father attempting to force him to have sex with his stepmother, he said, I felt dirty. I felt disgusted. He described how his father called him into the bedroom where his stepmom was lying naked in bed. And then his father basically said, you're going to have sex with her. And when asked what he was thinking when he killed them, he said, I don't know what I was thinking. I can't tell you. I myself wish I knew what I was thinking. They also did a search on the family computer and found that someone was indeed searching for incest porn. 
Ugh. So someone had searched on AOL free incest stories, and there was porn found on the hits for the words son, wife, and daughter. Oh my god. And note the word daughter was used, not sister, because they couldn't determine exactly who had Googled, the, or not Googled, AOL'd, I don't even right. know. Searched. Who was searching this? Yeah. The fact that it said son, wife, and daughter, not sister, dad, stepmom, and stepsister, sister, yeah. or whatever. And it was also, the searches were during the day when Cody would have been at school anyway. So, I believe that. I believe. His second wife said it. His son said it. They found it on the computer. Anyway. As for the prosecution, they presented witnesses that stated they had never seen a bruise or any sign of abuse on Cody and that they have never seen his father act abusive. How did 35 people say yes? I know. So the main person saying this was Paul's older brother, Verlin. He said the abuse was just an excuse implanted in Cody by his birth mother. She was dead. Yeah, I guess, like, when they were together when he was little, she thought he also had a temper and was abusive. And he claimed that any time he got a spanking, that was abuse. Any time he was disciplined by Paul, that was considered abuse. His uncle questioned why no teacher, principal, or school counselor had ever reported any evidence of abuse. He said, how do you hide it? This kid ought to have enough scars on his face to look like a roadmap. If you listen to Cody, he took as many licks as Muhammad Ali. And I'm going to say this, people don't hit on the face. No. They'll disguise it. Like how that one guy said he was hit on, whipped on the back and on the chest. His teachers didn't see his back and chest, Mm -hmm. his upper arms, his butt, his legs. You know, I mean, you can't say that. And also, I will say this, Verlin didn't live with them. He wasn't there every day. These were ranch hands. Mm -hmm. They were there every freaking day. Mm -hmm. Cowboys there every day. The stepmom who lived with him for five years. It just frustrates me when people are just like, No, that's impossible. They would never because you don't know. So one of his science teachers did remember that something was disturbing after the fact. During a parent-teacher conference, Cody and Paul were both screaming at each other at the same time. Then Cody began sobbing. Paul said, you're going to get it when we get home. You know what's going to happen when we get home. And by law, teachers are required to report abuse. Yeah. But Cody's teacher said at that time they didn't think it was abuse. They just were like thinking it kind of meant you're going to get home and get a spanking or something, you know. But she said now in hindsight, the way he said it, like, you know what you're going to get. Very ominous. And then he was just sobbing. Oh, God. I know. It's awful. When the verdicts came back, Cody was sobbing. He was found guilty of first degree murder in the case of his stepsister. Second-degree murder in the case of his stepmother, and voluntary manslaughter in the death of his father, Paul. Which, yeah, I mean, if he had only shot his father, it would have been just manslaughter. Cody's extended family stood beside him, except Verlin, of course, during the trial, and his maternal aunt was so distressed she had to be carried out of the courtroom on a stretcher. Oh my god. Cody's family asked for lenience on him, but surprisingly, so did the father of Cody's stepsister. In an interview, Maralia's father said, Cody does not need to be punished for this. He didn't do it. Paul and Tryone did this. We know that Cody pulled the triggers, but they made him do it. They created him and made him the weapon that caused their death and my daughter's death. That's pretty... That says a lot. Yeah, if I were the judge and read that, I'd be like, wow, this father doesn't even... So he believed it, too. Yeah. It's like everyone believed it except Paul's older brother. And I get it. It's his brother. That would be very hard to take. But so many people. Seven jurors also sent letters to the judge begging him not to put Cody away in prison and to sentence him as a child. Oh my god. Which is weird because they were the ones that did yeah. sentence him. But one of the jurors said, the way our instructions were written, we did the right thing, but that didn't make it right for a child. Right. Like she was kind of explaining that. We're not seeing him as a adult. Technically speaking, their right. ruling was cor- correct, quote unquote. Right. But 
because of how the legal system works, there wasn't really a way to be like, but right. she said it kind of felt like legal trickery. Sure. And they were very conflicted about the whole thing. She said he killed three people, but what led up to that? What led up to that? And we all know by now that kids don't even fully develop their frontal lobe until they're late teens, early 20s. 14 is very young. I'm not defending that he murdered his stepsister or even just murder in general, but this Well, I am. Sucks. I'm defending that he, not his stepsister, but his well, dad yeah, and I'm not stepmother. saying it's okay to murder, no, but I'm just saying I'm like either. in this situation, right. I can see how being on the jury, it's like, oh, he didn't God. have to kill his stepsister. He was going to get caught anyway, but in his head, I could see that he was just Panicked. like, she's going to tell on me. I can't have her there. I can't have her as a witness. Well, and look at every time... You, I mean, like you said, she was rewarded for telling. Yeah. And every time she told, what was the disciplinary mm-hmm. action that was... He was raised to yes. hate her. Yeah. He was raised to be jealous of her. To hide from they her. They were nice to her. Uh-huh. They loved her. And he felt like... So it's not that that's... I know. That's it's not the parents' fault. Pro- yes. That's yes. what I'm trying to say. It's not her, her fault. fault. It's the parents' fault. They yeah. completely instilled that. And rewarding her for tattling awful so had he been sentenced as an adult he would have been given life in prison instead cody was sentenced to a psychiatric treatment and to remain in a juvenile facility until he turned 21 years old then he would be free to start his life over so the judge did declare him a juvenile oh my god i'm about to cry yeah this this is horrible. I don't know if it's my PMS kicking in or just pregnancy hormones by association. (laughs) I've cried off and on this entire episode. He was not. He was a child. He was a child, a little clean cut. Yeah, like. Who cares what he dresses like or what color his hair is? A fucking kid is a kid. Yeah. This is a horrible story. I feel like, though, if it was a, if that were the case, they would have gone harder on him. But he's like a clean cut no, good, yeah. like known as a good kid, mm-hmm. no red flags as being mm-hmm. a psychopath or right. whatever. But he wasn't killing a cat. Or, he wasn't yeah. torturing it. Yeah, he was helpful on the ranch. People thought he was quiet and nice and polite, and just people weren't like, "Oh yeah, he he was a killer." We in knew disguise. something. Yeah, none of that. It was just a nice boy, and everyone's like, "What? They're the perfect family." So Jake, his stepsister's father, said of the judge's decision. Thank you. I do not believe that Marilee would have wanted Cody to be punished. He was already, and she knew that. Ugh, I know. This dad breaks my heart. Gosh, this guy. I mean, this kid killed your daughter, and you're still sympathetic to him. I don't even... You know what I mean? Because he sat, and he listened. Two days in trial. Listen to that baby. Talk two days nonstop about his abuse. And... Because he's a parent, and he yeah. he's like, damn, you, what what choice did you have? Right. I mean, I know we think, of course, there's other choices, but he's a 14-year-old trapped in his house. He doesn't have his mom anymore. He's trapped. What's he going to do in his head, you know? So he was committed to a juvenile facility until April 2010, where he reportedly did well. He didn't do anything bad, didn't get in trouble. And then he was transferred to a transitional rehab facility. And October 9th, 2010, on Cody's 21st birthday, he was officially released. So his exact whereabouts are not known. It's unclear if he's still living under that identity or if he changed his name. But he's been out for 13 years now. So he's in his early 30s. Luckily, he has not made headlines for anything else. So I'm going to assume that's a good thing. You know, he's not not getting into trouble still. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I got a lot of my info from NBC News, The Crime Wire, The Lineup, and Murderpedia. But this case really Holy just shit. grabbed me. I have never heard this. I hate you for telling me it, but I'm it's also, an, it's, it's emotional very interesting. Roller coaster. It is, because it's one of those things that's not clear cut. Yes, he murdered them, and he says, yeah, I murdered them. It's all great. Yeah. Well, the abuse is horrible, and and it's like... And I agree. If I were in the jury, I'd be like, what am I supposed to do? Yes, he's guilty, but... But Please don't punish him. Don't send him to prison for life. 
in prison, when young, well, when teenage boys go to prison, I can't. Typically, it gets, it, it gets way worse. Oh my gosh, there's a movie, or not a movie, there's a show on HBO that I watched. It's been a long time. And what's it called? Where the, guy, the guy's innocent, but everyone thinks he did it mm-hmm. for a murder. He goes to prison and he just becomes slowly and slowly a worse person because of what goes on in there drug dealing. Abuse, you have to be mean to get respect. The night of, that's what it's called. I will never watch that. It is heartbreaking. <sighs> By the end of it, I'm like, no, he was a good guy, and this is what prison did to him. Cannot. This, oof. I know. That was tough. It was. And I know people are going to be thinking, oh, she's being too light, easy on him or whatever. Just from what I read and everything, and I'm usually one to think people are guilty no matter what. And he is guilty, but I do believe him. I believe, I, believe him. I mean, the computer incest, the fact that he said that, his mom or his stepmom said that, I I believe it. I believe that he was abused of enough people, to, in my opinion, that saw him every day said so. They weren't getting, these ranch hands didn't get anything out of saying something. Ugh. It's like, what do you expect when you treat your children like that? They'll submit to you until they won't. Exactly. And then you're screwed. Ugh. Hate it. So let's move on to something positive. Please. We have new patrons. <gasps> Yay. I think the dry spell's over. Da la da la da la da. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah, I'm excited. We have. Yes. Leanne H. from Little Rock. <gasps> cool. Yes, I normally don't say the city, but she's a local. That's very exciting. Her pen, are there? Her pen's okay, in. Cool. She's that. She's that yellow one, the, the tallest, the tallest one, one in Arkansas. <laughs> You're the only like specific Little Rock one, I think. Everyone else is kind of moved not, around. They're, they're not less than. It's just the pens I had, but <laughs> to everyone else. But anyway, thank you, Leanne. And we have, and I haven't added her pen in because I have to Google it. Brianna H. from Arizona. Oh, wow. Is she our first? She's our first, <gasps> which is crazy. Yes. Thank you. The first one from Arizona. We're getting some, some love today. And we have Jin J. from Idaho. So her pen's not in yet because I don't know what city she's in. But if I don't hear from her, I'll just put one right in the smack dab middle of Idaho. That is awesome. Thank you, guys. And she said... I have no excuse for why it's taken me so long to become a Patreon of your podcast. Listen, we get it. We get it. I absolutely adore you both and have listened to you from the beginning. When you list off Patreon pins, I'm often reminded that Idaho has fallen behind in support. <laughs> Not anymore or Arizona. Hopefully, I'm the first of many Idahoans to show their love for your podcast. Oh. Keep up the great work and don't change a thing. You two are about as real as they come and it's so refreshing. Thank you, Jen. Those are very kind words. That, that's a very nice to hear, especially that she thinks we feel real. We got a lot of emails and comments, not that they're being mean or anything, but suggesting we nix the cuss word. Sorry, people. We want it to be more authentic than that. And if we just bleeped it, that would be weird. We just want to talk like how we would talk, you know? So thank you, Jen. I don't feel like we're overly vulgar. We're not going out of our way to be vulgar. We, We're just... I mean, me. You very rarely say <laughs> a cuss word. I like to sprinkle it in every now and then. But it's just, I don't even realize sometimes that I do use curse words. And it's not over the top, in my opinion. Some That's because you're disagree. used to me. <laughs> Some people disagree. Even, I mean... Lacey's like, you should hear her on a Saturday night when she's had a couple yeah, you're holding this now. But... Even my mom started listening to True Crime Garage. I don't... Oh, wow. And she was complaining to me. I don't listen, so I don't know about how one of the guys cusses too much. And I'm like, Mom, if you can handle listening to murders and brutal rapes, you can hear some F-bombs. Like, it's okay. It's... Yeah. If there's worse things than the F-word. There there are. She's rolling her eyes at, at me right now. But it's true. Like, I'm sorry. No, I agree. I'm not trying to force y'all to cuss or anything i'm just saying like if you can hear about this case you can hear ashley sprinkle in the f word sorry but anyway we also got some cocktails oh my gosh i'm so thirsty yes yes she is leah s bought us a few cocktails thank you leah thank you i can still have mocktails she said i love you too so funny and it makes my monday less monday 
That's high praise. People are being too nice to us. We're going to get a mean email soon. <laughs> when people, when our egos get too inflated, don't, we get... Don't put it in the universe. Yeah, we get something real weird. We also got an email from Catherine R., who has a correction for us. Oh, God. It's, Is it me? She's nice. Uh, it was... I can't remember the exact convo. It was on Wacky Wednesday 35. We were discussing Piggly Wiggly, the <gasps> grocery store chain. Oh, yes. She said there's actually six in Arkansas. Really? Yeah. Dumas, Star City. You mean Dumas? I don't know how to pronounce that word. It's I'm so Dumas. Sorry. I think I say that because of the Live Moss on Taco See, Bell. you can't even pronounce Arkansas I, cities. To anything <laughs> south of Little Rock, I've never heard of in my life, except Camden and Pine Bluff, I guess. Oh, Lord. Or Cadelphia. It's Dumas. Dumas? Yeah. I like Dumas. Well, if you want to throw Live a little, Moss. little razzle-dazzle on it. And that's the one I've seen. I've driven through there on the way to Pensacola, and that's mm-hmm. the Piggly Weekly. I, I knew I'd seen one. Oh, and then in Magnolia, Camden, I don't know if I said that, Hope, and DeWitt. Yeah, very Southern of yeah. us. Yeah. She said she lives about a block away. I won't say from which one, but... She says she likes to call it the wiggle pig in our house. That's hilarious. I wish we had one. She said, anyway, love your show. Also love that y'all are from my hometown. Yay, Little Rock. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. And I'm about to go to, well, this is going to be after I go, but I'm going to Pensacola and we're going to pass this Piggly Wiggly. And you have to take a pic of it and put a thumbs up in front of it. I hope you've been, I know you said earlier you were watching the weather, but I think that the there is a hurricane. Well, it's a tropical it's storm now. It's not a now. hurricane yet, and it's going no, no, through no. Florida. It's down now. It's oh, been is it? down. It's it's made landfall, and it's a tropical storm now. Oh, okay, good. Well, I'm so, happy for everyone in Florida. I know some people had to evacuate just in case, and I would too if I didn't yeah. know. But yeah, I don't think it's going to hit Pensacola. I've been watching the weather just in case we might get some rain or something. Yeah. But it looks looks fine. I hope the rest of Florida is okay. No fun. No. No fun. Max has a friend that is on a Disney cruise right now. Oh. So, but I'm not sure which mm-hmm. ship and where they left out, you know, which port they yeah, left out of. Yeah, it could be any of it them. It could be, not yeah. Not just the one closest to Orlando. So, if oh, they're, no. they're on it, I hope they're, I'm sure Disney's very oh, yeah. safe and, you know. I would hope so. We're not going to risk, yeah. Mm-mm. September Patreon suggestions. Do you have one? Oh, I wanted to say, since we have so many new Patreons, give us some suggestions. So we like to kind of do a theme. We just got over our summer series is what we called it. Yeah. Kind of all things travel, camping, all those things. We like to do themes, not necessarily, because some people will write in a certain case. Yeah. And we do appreciate those sure. type of suggestions. But for Patreon, we kind of like to or the case you do something in. different, pick a theme. Yeah, the case you might write my- the case you write in, maybe we can pick a theme around it. A theme yeah. around it. So, any suggestions? Or just a suggestion of anything else. Doesn't even have to be Doesn't true crime. Care. Just let us know what you want. We're here to listen. I like weird shit, demons, ghosts, haunted oh, stuff. I watched The Pope's Exorcist <gasps> last night. What did you think? I will say, and this is just me being nitpicky. Am I going to throw something at you? The kid got on my nerves, the demon. He was very creepy, though. I was like, I, I cannot listen to this kid talk anymore. He was very creepy. I loved, um, what's his name? Main guy, Russell Crowe. His character was interesting. He's yeah. a priest, of course, but uh, the sense of humor and stuff, just kind of interesting to see him in that role. Mm-hmm. Very different. But yeah, I mean. Did you like it? I thought it was pretty good. I watched it in the day, and maybe I should have watched it at night. It wasn't. It didn't give you the heebie-jeebies. No, and I think it's because I just don't. I don't believe in it. I'm sorry. I think that's why. Lord, please forgive her. I'm sorry. Do I'm not so send her sorry. a demon to make her a believer. I was watching it, and I'm like, I have so many questions on why aren't they more common if they're real demon possessions? I don't want them to be common, but why aren't they more common? And why don't they like? possess people in power why is it just random teenagers or kids if you're a demon wouldn't you want to possess like the president you're asking the wrong girl i've i need to talk to a priest i've been telling you they won't talk to us i want to have a roundtable discussion me you a priest that has performed exorcist and our friend that we've had on the show that is the uh psych oh god the one that's like no such thing as exorcist. Yeah. These people have schizophrenia. I want to see him and a priest mm-hmm. 
back and forth. The priest is like, oh, yeah, that sounds amazing to me. Yeah, but sign me we up. We have a friend that was training to become a priest. And he, who? You know who. No, I do not. You'll be like, oh, yeah, I knew Breathe that. Breathe it to me. Well, he said that it – that's kind of a hush – I don't remember how I he phrased no it. Idea. It's kind of a hush-hush thing, and he's like, I doubt you can get a priest to someone talk who, on the air about someone that who kind does. of thing. What if we did the voiceover thing, <laughs> and you just told me, you know, it will, did the it thing. It will be me with the voice. I don't know. I'm but for anyway, real. I'm going to put is, a poll and ask people if they believe in – Demonic possession. Demonic possession, yeah. Well, if you say no, you're wrong. That's one of those things. I'm I'm open to ghosts. I'm open to spirits. And I'm then open why, to that stuff. Then, just, why, then how, how can you not believe in the bad? Well, I believe in the bad, I guess. But just that specifically. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not – I didn't grow up Catholic. Because, like, I didn't grow up with priests. I didn't grow up with, like – Maybe. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's not really something I ever – Feared, maybe, is what I'm trying I've to. Never. Not that that's only feared. a Catholic thing. Plenty of Christians believe in demonic possession, but I never feared that that would happen to me until I got older and started watching all these oh films. Oh my gosh! But I still like watching stuff about it. It's very terrifying. The Exorcism of Emily Rose, such a good movie. Horrifying. I haven't seen that in freaking decades. So good. I saw it twice in theaters Horrifying. back when I was a teenager. Spent my my Sonic money on that. <laughs> It's it's a good it's a good one. That's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. It's a good one. Random thing happened this week. What? So ball has started back. Max is playing football. Oh, I'm like, what? He's playing baseball. He comes home from football practice. This is Sunday night, and I'm just home from the grocery store. I'm putting all the things up for the week. I switch out the air filter. You know, because it's been so hot. I feel like they're dirty and we have to replace mm-hmm. them. Switch it out. I give him the dirty one. I'm like, take this out. Put it in the trash can outside. Yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So he comes back in and I'm standing there talking to his dad. And he goes, Wendy's laying on the couch. He goes, and we have this big sectional, and like flops down beside her. He jumps up almost just as quickly. Screams bloody fucking murder and is holding his hand and jumping and i am going what what and his dad's going what what you have to talk to us what because he is tears streaming Mm -hmm. screaming what happened i look at his he's like something stung me boy it was he said he said stung but it sounded like stuck something stuck me And I'm looking at his hand. The whole palm of his hand is like red and swollen. And there's like a white spot in the middle. So something has visibly stung him or stuck him. And he's like jumping up and down. And he's like, it got got my butt too. So I and Matt and, you know, his dad's going, what was it? And we're like screaming at this child now because we're like, because he can't. Well, and he gets so and i know people who have children will understand what i'm talking about when they're so upset that they're just not breathing and it looks like he and i'm like max you have to breathe and so it's just fucking chaos so i jerk his shorts and underwear down and i'm looking and he has the same mark on his butt cheek his hand and his butt big swollen red spot on his butt cheek Yes, little white, and I'm like, oh my! So I go over to the couch, and he's, and I'm like, let me get an ice thing. But before I do that, I run over to the couch, and there's a blanket spread out because the dogs will lay on the couch. Yeah. So I'm looking all over the blanket. I pull it off the couch. I'm shaking yeah. it. I'm looking. I see nothing. The dogs are not. They haven't been bitten. There's or nothing stung. that has stung or bit them. Yeah. They're if a moth flies, they're they're Trying going nuts it. and yeah. barking. So they're not doing anything. And I'm like, baby, there's nothing over here. Did you see anything? Like what? And he's like, so I get an ice pack and I come back over there and I'm like trying to put on his butt cheek. I give him a cold wash rag to hold in his hand. It's just fucking chaos. His dad goes over to the couch and he's rubbing very slowly across the couch. Like, is there a pin, like a safety pin or something that? You flop down on it and he's just going very slowly and he's like, 
Max, baby, there's nothing over here. He's still crying. And I'm like, hmm. come here. So I'm holding him, wrapping my arms around him. I'm like, baby, I didn't see anything. And so I'm then I'm like, let me look in your hair. Maybe did you hear anything buzzing or anything? And he's like, no. And he's crying. So I'm going through his hair and I'm like, did something get in your shirt? And as soon as I <gasps> grabbed his shirt, he screamed, Lacey, and jerked away from me and says, it's in my shirt. Oh, I, my gosh. Mom, mom hands snatched this baby's shirt off as fast as I could. A fucking hornet <gasps> was in his shirt, flew from underneath, almost hit me in the neck. Oh, my gosh. I have snatched the shirt. He screams, runs down the hall. I run and grab a fly swat. It's now stung him on the back. I didn't know they could sting multiple times. Just wait. I run. I'm grabbing the fly swat. I'm like jumping. This thing is fucking flying around like a rabid bat in my... Flying around. I'm trying to hit it. His dad is like trying to get Max. In the meantime, my front door swings open and it's my sister and niece and their two dogs. You're like, get out, get it's out. It's like the dogs come in, guns are blazing. Oh my God. They're barking. I'm trying to hit a hornet. Max's dad is Worst sitting there. Timing Worst ever. timing ever. Max is screaming to the point where he's about to throw up. I, of course, my sister's a nurse and she's like, what come here? What happened? What happened? And I, was, and I, I kill it. Mm-hmm. I finally kill it. And I'm hit it as like Jose Canseco with this fucking glass what? My sister's like, puts, gets an ice pack. She puts it on there, all the things. He's hysterical. I'm holding him. I'm like, baby, I know that was so scary. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Ugh. And I'm yelling at his dad, open the door and let the fucking dogs out. <laughs> it's just chaos. So Max is like, what was that? And I was like, it was a hornet. Then he falls to pieces again. So I look it up. And I'm going to show you what this is because you probably have them around your house. Oh, God. I'm sure. It. Oh. Maybe I'm thinking of a bee because I know something that stings can only sting once. It right? is called. Or is that a myth? It is called a bald-faced hornet. Ugh, bald-faced hornet. Girl. I don't. They are very aggressive uh, and yeah. can sting up to 10 times. Good Lord. Yes. This is what it was. Oh, they're scary looking. Yes. And I have seen them in my garage when I'm out there cleaning and stuff. I just thought it was like. What is a, I'm looking at hornet's nest. Aren't they in the ground? I'm Googling it. These yellow jackets are in the ground. Oh, you're right. These. They're terrible too. These are like yellow jackets. Yellow jackets can sting you multiple times. These are like yellow jackets. They can sting you multiple times. It. They make wasps look like the good guy. Yes. They are. Yeah. It says, talks about just regular hornets are very aggressive. Well, you remember when I got stung on the butt by a hornet, a legit real hornet? Not that these aren't, yeah. but like how I called you hysterical and like throwing up because it hurt so bad. This was my baby stung him on the butt. So what we thought. The only thing we can think of is when he went outside mm. to throw that away. Maybe it landed on his shirt and he didn't realize it. And so when he came in, he sat on it. And when he went to stand up, he put his hand on it like this. And then when he did like that, maybe it crawled under Ugh. his shirt. And then, but here's the thing. I swear to you, a good, a good probably five minutes went by, which I know seems... Yeah. Not like a long time, but to where we were looking for it. Yeah, I was you getting would the think ice it would have it would have gotten or it would have gotten him again. freaking out because it was in the shirt. I hugged him. Oh, he was sitting oh. on my lap, and the whole time this bastard was in my baby's shirt. Heart attack city, girl. I'm scared now. It was very. I mean, he's over it. As a mother, I am still like I could not sleep that night. That's scary. I've never been stung three times. So at the same time, I would be within five minutes. I would be on the ground, fainted, hysterical. (laughs) And you know that fucking hurts. Oh yeah, I just googled it, and it's like, yeah, it's way more venomous than a wasp. 
it's like the worst thing to get stung by. Is and this. it's so, ugh. it was scary to me as a parent. I know I keep saying that as a mother, because I, something hurt. I don't know what it was. I couldn't. That would freak me I out. I couldn't like, find it. in my house? I right. was thinking ants at first when you said that. Well, I thought, oh my God, it could have been a scorpion, a spider oh bite. Oh my God. Anything. I am searching. I'm, I'm taking the, took the cushions off the couch. I'm like. And I'm doing all this the whole time this hornet is in his shirt. Oh, that's scary. Terrifying. I mean, he got over it. He took his shirt off. I mean, we put met all the things. My sister's not allergic. No. Shit. Just like, you know, my sister looked at it, which made me feel so much better. And like, he he's good. And then, of course, him and Emma were like, you want to go and jump on the trampoline? So they were over it. I would have been in the fucking emergency room. I would have been. Somebody call 911. Yeah. Passed out for hours. Hours on end, I'm down for the count. Well, that's I've been crazy. Free basing white claws. That's <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Oh man. Yeah, it was very traumatic for everyone involved. In in the span of ten minutes, hornet stings. My sister comes over with her dogs. They're running through the house that screaming. Would just be a mess. Like this is when you're coming over right now. Max's dad standing there, like I'm. I'm leaving. It it was a lot. <sighs> That should have been my wacky, but I have another one for you. Oh, I was about to say, like, we're about to record Wacky Wednesday. What, what do you got for that? Well, anyway, uh, we're in Maine, I think, we are. next week. At least that's what we're I have on Maine. my notes. Yeah. So we'll see what comes up. But uh, anyway. Lacey will be getting back from Florida, so you'll have to have some tales for I will. Hopefully Florida. I don't find anything unusual. Snakes. Or a snake in particular. But anyway, bye. Bye.